Yo, what's going on, y'all? It is Amari checking in for another episode of Off the Hustle. On this magnificent Monday, it's time to tap into Chapter 4 of Rocket Fuel. So tap in with Jared and myself as we dive further along into Off the Hustle Book Club. Check it out. Peace. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Off the Hustle. This is Jared. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Amari. We are coming to you from, if you've been listening, you know we've been reading a book, Rocket Fuel, in preparation for the Off the Hustle Book Club. Yeah. So, we're on chapter four now. So, today we're going to be talking about accountability and accountability charts and really just knowing your position when you're building a company. Uh, it's a really near and dear thing for us because it's one of the struggles that we had because uh, it's just two of us. So laying out the foundation of who's responsible for what and who gets to make final decisions on what when we're working together. And that's been, a for us, uh, reading the book and hearing how they explain that for me, it was a really eye-opening moment to realize that if you've been listening, you know that I fall in the category of visionary in our company and Amari falls in the category of integrator. I see where I was in the way because there are tasks and assignments that I was trying to take on. Not necessarily that I couldn't do them, but they weren't really my strength set to fall into. Yeah, man. And when you think about just business partnerships um, in general, uh, or let me just say this partnerships in general, because this deals with, you know, not just the business aspect, but also the personal aspect um, sometimes, you know, partnerships don't necessarily work out because of things like finances or things like, uh, you know, operations or whatever. Usually, sometimes business don't work out just because of the simple notion of not being able to understand who's accountable, understanding how does that decision process go about, um, and being able to give each other the opportunity to leave their respective areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that, you know, when it comes to Rocket Fuel as um, um, with, as our first book in the Off the Hustle Book Club, you know, this is something that has a lot of, lot of benefit when you simply sit down and study this material. Um, for our particular audience, I think they will appreciate if, you know, as we go further into this book, you know, we continue to you know, um, connect this over into the social media space so where they can be able to see this, be able to feel the, the content that we're sharing. Um, because uh, I can tell you right now, just from me reading um, reading this particular book, this is not something that you're just going to be able to apply right off the bat. This is something that you have to go have to, you know, either read each chapter multiple times. Uh, you got to really do workshop activities for yourself and for your, your, your business and really take the time to build the the theories and the concepts into your into not just the operation but in mainly into the psyche what's the mindset and I, I truly believe that this is something that is very beneficial if you put the time and work into it so uh, as we go into you know further along into uh, rocket fuel just make sure that you understand this is more this information is great for application um, definitely a great a great listen if you get audiobooks a great listen if you listen to off the hustle 
but make sure that you're putting time into yourself and into your partners because this is the end goal for a book like this. Yeah. So diving right in, uh, let's talk about the first thing that stuck out to me was the accountability chart. Mm -hmm. And in particular, how you should lay it out similar to an organizational chart. Uh, But before we get there, let's rewind. Mm -hmm. Because Rocket Fuel works under the premise that there are three basic uh, departments in a company. Mm -hmm. So sales marketing, which Mm -hmm. do obviously sales marketing generating business that's what it's there for mm-hmm. uh, and then you have your uh, operations which is there for to provide services take care of the customer uh, generate revenue that's mm-hmm. what they do they right. make sure that money's coming in and customers are happy the processes of the company is flowing uh, properly and then finally there's finance and admin now this is where you manage your money uh, and you manage the infrastructure yep. so this is HR Oh, yeah. And accounting, yeah, basically, account, yeah. if you want me to break it down. Oh, yeah. All that stuff that are, you know, the, the strings that's being pulled behind the curtain. Yeah. So, and now we're going to jump into, like, us. We'll go. I think it'd be better if we kind of talk about some of the practical applications for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, while we're explaining it to people. So, for in our business, sales marketing will fall under uh, generating properties, finding properties, finding motivated sellers, looking for people who are looking to sell their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, or investment property or, you know, plot of land that got deeded to them. Uh, and if you guys know anybody that's looking, don't don't be afraid to, you know, drop our names. Uh, <laughs> but after the shameless plug, uh, that's where you come up with your sales strategies, your marketing strategies, uh, and how you want the business to flow. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you touch on more of the operations side. Yeah, man. Operations is more just like um, to what you had mentioned earlier, reference to like customer service, making sure that, you are, um, as the sales and marketing team is getting things up and running and they are attracting the business, you know, you're taking the business and you're making sure that they're going through that um, journey and um, that that uh, customer experience. And when we say customer experience, we're not saying just saying, oh, make sure that you say yes and give them what they, everything that they want. Uh, in the business that we, um, in the business that we work in real estate, you know, the customer, yes, is right but you have to guide them. You have to guide your average um, homeowner or home seeker through a journey, a tailored experience to their circumstances. So for operations, our purpose is to make sure that you're giving them the best tools and resources and, and most important and most importantly, options. Give them all the available options that is to their disposal and make sure that they are choosing that uh, that sound option off of uh, proper education. Yeah, so the way we always say it is, even when we tell customers, hey, choose the option that's best for you and your family. Yeah. What Don't think about me. Yeah, very important. What benefits you the most? Because we can find a win-win. Exactly. And but to do that, I, like you said, I need you to make it educated. Exactly, right. So the thing is, you have to ask yourself when it comes to operations, especially in real estate, how do you build great customer service how do you make sure that you can give a customer that experience you have to build the processes you have to make sure that they're properly built and properly managed and that's very important for any real estate company i don't care if it's a real estate um, brokerage i don't care if it's an investment firm um, i don't care if it's um, new builds construction and development these things are very important especially in this industry 
Um, and then most importantly, uh, not most important, but another add-on is just making sure that you are able to have solid exit strategies. Um, this is another uh, important thing. Anytime you invest, anytime anything, anytime you join a person, especially a homeowner or a home seeker, uh, to the hip, in reference to saying, "Hey, we're going to work together to find what you need." Uh, you have to make sure as the facilitator, you also keep the end goal in mind. And when things don't go about, because things do happen, you have to make sure that you can find, you have to create the proper as a strategist to where you can be able to get out of there. And as well, same thing for the customer. Yeah. And finally, finance and admin. This is the area that's going to handle, handle all your budgeting, mm-hmm. all your reporting. They should be the ones who are pulling your KPIs. Yeah. Managing how someone is performing now they're not the ones who may act on it they may not be the ones who you know have that sit down with someone but they should be the ones who are able to pull those reports yeah no one in operations or in sales should be saying oh how do i pull that report again no you should in my opinion you should be reaching out to your person that's an admin in the admin position and say hey i need these reports when can i expect them very important and this is where this is a key area where a lot of um, businesses still have trouble. Uh, I'm, I've been fortunate of going, you know, working with businesses where, you know, continuous improvement. Um, you hear me say this a lot on some of the episodes where we talk about business-oriented topics. Continuous improvement is something that's the key to the game to any business in the industry. And I've had the opportunity to work with employers that have that. This is part of their culture, where we're not. In the we're not in the business to be comfortable. We're in the business to continue to strive for bigger results, for bigger impact. And if we're in a position where we're always hitting our numbers, everything is looking good, then guess what? We're 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 still complacent. So when it comes to you know finance and administration, this particular work stream is very important, very vital. I would say this is probably the heartbeat of any business. Because if this if this particular department, finance, administration, HR, IT, um, IT accounting, office management. office management, yeah, man, the list goes on. If this particular sector of your of your business is not um, nurtured, you will have a very hard time remaining successful. Well, getting successful in the first part, and then remaining successful because things will be unorganized things would be all over the place it's going to be a lot of chaos now um to add this on before you move any further finance and administration is the should be the truth tellers of the business now granted your leaders in the business um don't matter if you're an entrepreneur sole proprietor um you know sole uh, business owner or if you have partnerships or whatever people will make it seem like hey business is going great you know make the team feel good, make the keep the spirits up, the morale is at an all-time high. This particular uh, department, finance and administration, these people, these leaders should be able to be the ones that can be give you the harsh or the pleasant truth at any given time. Because based off what you see in those numbers, based off of what you see in the forecasting and what you see down the road throughout the year, you have to be able to prepare for any given day. So that can be a great day and that can be a bad day. So just keep that in mind. And then now that you, we got that laid out, from there, then you kind of break things down into more departments. 
So from sales and marketing, you may have, you know, specific sales, lead management, mm-hmm. uh, acquisitions, things of that nature, really niche account executives, inside sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could break it down like that inside operations. Of course, you can break it down to project managers. Uh, in real estate, you could have a GC under there. You could have a sales, well, not really a sales manager, but an operational manager, a GM, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Uh, and then under finance, that's where you have HR manager, uh, you know, HR department, IT department, uh, office management department, if you want to break it down like mm-hmm. that. Yep. But that's where those things are going to go. Yeah. But rewinding a little bit, because now that you have these departments, the question then becomes, who do these departments answer to? Because uh-huh. each department has an LMA. They have to answer to someone. Uh, so the way that the book explains it and the way that we kind of – think it works best is to have all of them answer to the integrator right now people ask why the integrator because that's where the integrator shines they shine in making all of these uh oh let me backtrack lma leading managing accountability correct gotta throw that out there so the integrator is good at leading managing and holding others accountable so you put processes under that person where they can do those three things Mm -hmm. is what they shine at uh they are good at business plan execution they can set each department in the area it needs to go to make sure that all the arrows are pointing the right way so that everyone is performing in a way that generates the business goals the revenue goals the the things that keep everybody getting paid and again it's in the title integrator they're integrating the major functions into the business yeah so each of these are major functions that they integrate yeah and when you and to add on to that uh for you people to kind of um kind of see this in a for any company that you may work within or your own companies um take that concept take what everything jared just mentioned and correlate it to titles of your, your typical um, big time Fortune 500 company. You usually have your CEO. You have that. Uh, usually have your CEO. Then you have people that report to CEO or that work with the CEO. So the person such as like a, a chief operating officer or a chief information officer, or a chief financial officer, or a chief marketing offer, um, officer, a chief people's officer. The, you know those type of titles. Those people are integrators. Those people are the people who. Um, for the most part, know the ins and outs. It has the in-depth information that falls under those under um, their reporting uh, departments, and they work with the chief executive officer, who is usually a, a person who has a visionary skill set, a person who is generating the new the new ideas, going through the time to do research and development of things that's going to help bring new opportunity to your organization. People who help, you know, um, who are very good with creative problem solving. When you think about a CEO, a CEO wakes up with the mindset of what can we accomplish today and what, you know, most important, what problems can we solve today that's going to help us stay alive and, and, and booming for the next 20 to 50 years. So for that visionary to do their job to the best of their ability, they need great integrators to help them figure things out and to make sure that they're not just, you know, generating new crazy ideas that have no realistic value or they don't have a GPS attached to it to help them figure out the, the, the roadmap. 
So that's very important. So if you just if you if you take a visionary and attach CEO to it, it's the same person. If you attach mm-hmm. an integrator and put uh, the other titles that I mentioned uh, earlier, COO, I'd, I'd say COO, president. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a difference. It's Most people very, think CEO, president, same person. No. no. <laughs> CEO, looking like you said, looking to the future. President is looking at today. Yeah. Exactly. Has so, to. Yeah. Seriously. So to help, so to help you guys who are listening to our episode right now. We want to make sure that we give you, you know, just some some um, some some examples that you can probably understand and give you some some tr- um, traction to do some further research on your own. Mm-hmm. And then even with saying that, a lot of the people that are listening that are entrepreneurs, you are the visionary. Yeah. And you are doing integrator tasks right now mm-hmm. and you may find some success. You and, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm saying this in you're going to do it the best that you can because that's the type of person you are. Right. You're going to make it happen. But you'll start seeing exponential success when you find your integrator. Now, I'm not saying someone that you bring in as a partner because sometimes your integrator isn't your partner. All right. Sometimes your integrator is a, someone that works for you. It could be, you know, uh, if you have a bigger company, it could be a leader that's already in the company that just moves up to a position where they function in a way where they're integrating everything. It could be. It could be someone who's, you know, that you've groomed up if you own a company uh, to take that role. But what it is, like Amari said, every visionary needs an integrator. Uh, and it's like two puzzle pieces. The puzzle pieces will always fit together as long as they're in the same direction. Mm-hmm. But again, one thing that we have to point out is as one grows, the other has to grow. Exactly. So as in our situation, if Amari's making, if Amari has no problems for me to solve, that means that I'm not looking at the vision far enough ahead. And the same thing goes vice versa too. You know, hey, if if the visionary or even myself as an integrator, if I'm not bringing problems to the the table where we meet and we are discussing, you know, we're, we're just keeping in touch with each other, keeping each other um, informed with statuses. If we're not helping each other out with new ideas, new problems to be solved, new opportunities to pursue, then how does the business grow? Mm-hmm. And that's why the the integrator and the visionary have to be in connection at all times. And you have to make sure that you put that you practice certain things to where uh, even when you know there is kind of a, uh, a, a I guess a bumping of the minds. You can find ways to get back on track very quickly because the longer you stay in disarray, that leads the organization to the wrong direction. Yeah. And the really good thing about that is, like we were saying, the job of the visionary is to creatively solve problems. Yeah. Research new areas we can go into. Think of new ideas. Make bigger relationships. You can't do that if you don't trust your integrator. That's very important. And the only way you can trust them is if you really separate the, the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not going to look at day-to-day. Now, I look at reporting. I'll You know, you put something in front of me, I'm going to take a look at it. But you, you as the integrator should have the comfort to say, he's told us the vision. This is how we're going to move. These are the processes we're going to implement. Mm-hmm. Because what the integrator is good at doing is telling the visionary, no, that's not the direction we're going in because you set us in this direction. Yeah, or bet and then also too, um, they're also there to tell the visionary, hey, that's a great idea. Let's let's pursue that. Or you we're we're on a good we're on good traction right now because this reason, that reason, this reason, that reason. 
the integrator helps assist. It, it, it works with the visionary to help figure out the what, when, where, who, how, those type of questions. Um, it helps figure out what's the context, what's the background, and what's our, and most important, like I just mentioned, what's our why? You know, you know, just because, you know, we have a great idea, why, are we, why should we pursue this? And that's how the conversation kind of starts and continues to take its place. Yeah. Why are we doing it? Do we have the resources to go into that direction? Yeah. Because there's a lot of times when I come up with ideas and I'm always like, okay, so what do we need to make that happen? And I name something that's not possible for us to do right now because we don't have the resources. We don't have the right connections. And he tells me that because that's what that's what the relationship needs. The integrator needs to be able to tell the visionary, no, we can't do that because of this. Mm -hmm. You need to have a strong integrator as a visionary, but also integrators need someone with enough vision to encompass everybody's vision. Yeah. Because as a visionary, if your vision isn't big enough, how can you fit everyone else's goals within it? Mm -hmm. You can't have a hundred person business. You can't have a three person business if your vision isn't big enough for it. Yeah. And with that being said, you have to always be looking far enough into the future to say, hey, I see where this is going. I need us to shift this way over this amount of time. Mm -hmm. See, that gives the integrator something to work with. And then the integrator then dishes that information down to sales. Hey, we need to shift this way. So we need the revenue goal to shift plus 5%. Yeah. And then, and then it kind of helped to uh, kind of help bring this thing full, full circle before we move any further. When you look at um, your accountability chart, you look at something that's very similar to an organizational chart. If you, for anybody who works in a professional setting where you have you, you have access to um, an org a or chart, that is pretty much this. That's basically a, a accountability chart. You see who has what roles, who's on their team, who they report to, who reports to them, and so on and so on. So you can be able to understand, okay, what direction this company is going into. You know, because within with this team, with, with this organization having these departments, this is what this is how their business runs, and this will also help you understand who's being impacted. If you go to some of our early, go back to some of our early episodes of Off the Hustle, you 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 hear how we're talking about people who win or lose based off of your decisions and based off of your actions. This plays a major role in reference to accountability. Mm -hmm. So the accountability chart is just a simple but effective way to help you reinforce what you're trying to achieve as a team and making sure that you stay aware as leaders and as entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of who's being impacted based off the decisions that you make along your business doing. Yeah, and the way that the book lays out uh now that we talked about accountability chart, the organizational structure of the accountability chart. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, it's going to sound weird because even for us, we come in as partners. So there's there there's an actual weird extra box for us. So it goes the visionary, uh, the integrator answers to the visionary. So that's where the LMA goes. It goes up from integrator to visionary. The integrator is then over sales and marketing, operations, finance and admin and then those areas depart into what they need to go to now you as the owner your job is to make this or owners your job is to make this as simple as possible because that is how you succeed simple mm -hmm. makes more money yes, uh, now for us we also have an extra area that we'll probably talk about in wednesday's episode called the owner's box so we have quarterly 
weekly and monthly meetings uh, that are called owner box meetings. Uh, and in those, that's where me and Amari sit as equals and say, hey, how do we do this? How do we move this way? This is the vision I got. How are we moving? How should we do this? How should we do that? He tells me I'm making crazy decisions. I say, well, your vision's not big <laughs> enough. That's, that's what that area is for. Yeah. But when we're in front of, you know, right now we don't have other employees, but if we're in front of other employees, mm-hmm. they would see visionary, integrator. They would report to him. Now, the crazy thing most people don't realize is Amari has the power in our business to veto me. Yeah. So even if I come up with this crazy idea, I left the power of all tie-breaking to him. So if we come to an impasse, we follow, and we'll talk about this in the next episode, mm-hmm. IDS, uh, where we can't leave a meeting without a solution. And when we leave with that solution, even if it's not the perfect one, Amari says which direction we're going to implement that solution. Yeah, and that's a great, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I wanted to add on to this. You know, when it comes to, for example, me and you working together as, a part, as partners in our businesses, <clears throat> some may wonder, okay, it's just you and it's just you and Jared. How are y'all able to kind of keep things um, in place in reference to your your perspectives? You know, working in business versus versus working out of the business. When we have those ownership meetings, we're working on the business. Mm-hmm. Our mind shift has been built and it's being worked into understanding how to switch the mindset from working. On the business versus working in the business. When we're doing our day to day work, it's like cold calling, marketing, working with different uh, potential um, clients and, and, and doing businesses, uh, doing business transactions. That's us working in the business. Mm-hmm. We understand that, hey, in order for this to work, we have to do the daily activities because it's just me and him. We have to do this stuff. Eventually, as our business continues to grow and scale, then you know we'll bring other people to do those uh, some of those daily activities so we can have more time to work in work on the business. But for right now, hey, we take pride in understanding that you know we have to work in the business, but we also have to make time to work on the business so everything remains balanced and continues to progress. Yeah, and it's a lot of hat taking off. Yeah, so yeah. when we have those on the business those weekly meetings, we act as visionary integrator. But then on the day to day, when we're reaching out to sellers. It's I'm sales marketing and Amari's the integrator. So I, I I really do have to answer to him. Hey, what what are we doing with these leads? This is what we got going on with the leads. This is the revenue goal. This is the way I see these houses going. But then at the same time, when Amari's on a call, he'll defer to me and say, hey, what should I have said in this situation? Mm-hmm. Because he's not looking at me as the visionary or as the him as the integrator. He's now put on his hat as a salesperson and I'm the sales manager Correct. because I have more sales experience. But then when we're working on operational things, I then put on the hat of, you know, I don't know who works under the project manager because <laughs> I don't be paying attention to titles like that. But yeah. he's the project manager, and I have to answer to him, hey, uh, you said the process goes like this, so how would I do X, Y, and Z in this Excel sheet? How would you want it to look? Because I'm asking him as the project manager. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, finance and admin, we kind of just read yeah, that so, together. So, <laughs> so But it's very, but, you know, the, you know, um, but understand this it's very important for, you know, whatever um, work streams or departments, whatever you want to call it, for whatever um, departments in, that lie within your organization, it's very important for you to understand that it needs to be assigned to one person to be the, the main person of account that's accountable over that expertise. You know, it doesn't help to have two people or multiple people trying to be the chief 
and to be the, the, the main shot caller of that, that one department, you know, because that's where you start to build resent, unnecessary resentment, um, trust issues, you know, um, your word is more, my word is more valuable than your word. And then if you have team members who work within those departments, then guess what? Uh, some people may feel more uh, open to communicate to one leader versus the next. And that's kind of, you know, so like where you, you kind of hear, hey, don't go over my head type stuff. That starts to go come about when you have those unclear roles. Yeah, those unclear roles. So you, you know, even for a business of two people or even for a business of one person, it's very important of if you're working with third party vendors or if you have, uh, you know, attorneys and accountants or people who work with your business, it's very set, very clear guidelines, very clear roles. Who who does what? Who has the the, the last say so? And who is the main who's the, the main go to person for whatever? Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely something that you heavily should consider as you um, do an accountability chart and as you um, set those guidelines for who's responsible for what doings of the business. Yeah, so this is a really important lesson in scaling. Uh, oh yeah, so very important. Honestly, I think we hit it all. for a Monday episode. It's been action-packed for 20 minutes straight, Mm -hmm. uh, going on 30. So this is Jared. Hey, man, this is Amari, and I will tell you before we sign off, if you really want to get a full understanding of what we just talked about, make sure that you get a copy of Rocket Fuel. It's available on Audible and other audiobook platforms. Get it as soon as possible so you can be able to follow these episodes that that we're discussing uh, Rock and Fuel as our first book of the Off the Hustle Book Club. Give your feedback. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Email us at Off the Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Share your feedback, share your stories, and share your overall experience. We want to hear from you. Peace. Peace. That's it. Episode is over. Hey, if you're on Apple, subscribe, review, and give us a rating. Yeah, man, we definitely want to hear back from you. As we continue to grow this platform, we want to make sure that we're actually giving you the content that you need and the content that you actually want. So reach out to us. Let us know what you want. Peace. That's it.